Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text INTRO to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is Day 4. Today we'll be reading Part 1 on the Councils and Exercises, chapters 12 through 15, pages 61 through 74 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get into the reading, though, a quick look at what we'll be covering today. So as we highlighted in the last episode, we are now in the midst of a series of 10 meditations on different aspects of the devout life or just of the Christian life more broadly. So this section gives us four more meditations, and there are still more to come, so you can enjoy those in their turn. Uh, these would be what we might consider the quintessentially, that's to say the kind of, um, as we might expect, dour meditations. So perhaps you've read the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, and you know that there's considerable attention paid to hell and the prospect of hell. Here now, we have uh, a kind of anticipation, or excuse me, we have a subsequent unfolding of that spiritual tradition because St. Francis de Sales comes uh, quite a few years after St. Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, So we're thinking here about death and judgment and the prospect of hell. So that's tough. (laughs) Uh, But I would just by way of encouragement say, you know, don't lose the stomach for the devout life just because we're going to have to work our way through a couple of difficult things. These are true doctrines of the faith. Obviously, they're not the most delightful ones to meditate upon. So we're just going to have to gear up and get ready for them. Uh, With that in mind, then, we can say a prayer and start in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Grant us grace, a merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly. For the praise and glory of thy name, amen. Chapter 12, Fourth Meditation on Sin. Preparation 1. Place yourself in God's presence. 2. Pray to Him that He inspire you. Considerations 1. Call to mind how long you have lived sinfully and consider how, from the first days of your sinful ways, your sins have multiplied in your heart, how every day you have allowed them to increase against God, yourself, and your neighbor, in deed, word, and desire, and thought. 2. Consider your evil inclinations and how often you have followed them. Thus, you will see that your faults are more in number than the hairs of your head, indeed more numerous than the sand of the sea. Psalm 40.12 3. In particular, consider the sin of ingratitude against God, this general sin, extending over all the rest, making them infinitely more enormous. Then, consider all the many benefits that God has bestowed on you and how you have misused them in contempt of the giver. In particular, consider how many inspirations you have despised and how many movements from the Holy Spirit you have rendered useless. And, above all, think of all the many communions you have received and ask yourself where their fruits are. What has been the fate of all these precious jewels with which you have been adorned by your beloved spouse? They have all been buried under your iniquities. How have you prepared yourself for receiving them? Consider this ingratitude. God made haste to come to your salvation— 
yet you have always fled from him to your own loss. Affections and Resolutions 1. Be confounded at your wretchedness. O my God, how can I dare to come into your sight? Alas, I am but a worldly, pus-filled boil and a sewer of ingratitude and sin. Perhaps, indeed, I have been so disloyal that all of my senses and all the powers of my soul have been corrupted, violated, and defiled. Yes, on no day has my life been unmarked by the doing of such wicked deeds. Is this the return I should have made for the benefits bestowed upon me by my Creator and through the precious blood of my Redeemer? 2. Pray for pardon and cast yourself at the feet of your Lord, like a prodigal son, like a Mary Magdalene, or like someone who has defiled the marriage bed with all sorts of adulteries. O Lord, have mercy on this poor sinner. Alas, O living fountain of compassion, have pity on this poor wretch. 3. Resolve to live a better life. No, O Lord, never again, with the help of your grace, never again will I abandon myself to sin. Alas, I have loved it all too much, but now I detest it and embrace you, O Father of mercy. I desire to live and die in you. 4. In order to blot out my past sins, I will courageously accuse myself of them and will banish them all from my heart. 5. I will do all I can to root out all the weeds of sin from my heart, giving particular attention to the vices that chiefly trouble me. 6. To do this, I will constantly embrace the means that shall be recommended to me, and will never allow myself to think that I have ever done enough to repair such grievous offenses. Conclusion Thank God, who has waited even up until this very day that you might amend your life and has now given you these right affections. 2. Offer him your heart so that you might live in accord with these resolutions. 3. Pray to him to strengthen you, etc. Chapter 13. Fifth Meditation on Death Preparation 1. Place yourself in God's presence. 2. Pray to him that he inspire you. 3. Imagine that you are sick with a mortal illness, lying upon your deathbed with no hope of recovery. Considerations 1. Consider the uncertainty of the day of your death. O my soul, you must one day leave this body. When will this take place? In winter or summer, in town or country, by day or by night? Will it be suddenly, or will you have time to prepare? Will you die by sickness or by an accident? Will you have time to confess your sins? Will you have the assistance of your confessor and spiritual father? Alas, all of this is unknown to us. The only certain thing is that we shall die, indeed, always sooner than we expect. 2. Consider that the world will thus end, at least as it concerns you. It will no longer exist for you. It will be overthrown for you, and then the pleasures, vanities, worldly delights, and all the vain affections of our lives will seem to us like shadows and mist. Ah, wretch! For what trifles and delusions have I offended God? Then you will see that you have forsaken God for nothing. By contrast, devotion and good works will then seem so sweet and delightful to you. You will ask, oh, why did I not follow this beautiful and pleasant path? Then, too, your sins, which had seemed so very small, will seem as great as mountains, and your devotion will shrink before your gaze. 3. Consider the great languishing words of farewell your soul will then say to this lower world. It will say farewell to its riches, its vanities, and all the vain company of men. It will bid adieu to its pleasures and its pastimes, to its friends and neighbors, to its relatives and children, to husband or wife, in short, to all the creatures that it has known. Then finally it will bid farewell to its own body, which it will leave behind pale, haggard, emaciated, hideous, and reeking. 4. Consider how quickly they will carry away this body and hide it in the earth. Thereafter the world will think no more of you than you have thought of others. Quote, May God grant him a peaceful rest, end quote, they will say, and nothing more. O death, how forgetful you are and how pitiless. 5. 
Consider how the soul on its departure from the body will travel its way either to the right hand or to the left. Alas, which direction will your soul travel? Which way will it go? None other than the path it had begun down while alive in this world. Affections and Resolutions 1. Pray to God and cast yourself into His arms. Say to Him, Alas, O Lord, receive me into your protection upon that dreadful day. May that hour be happy and favorable to me, and rather, allow all the other days of my life to be sad and sorrowful. 2. Despise the world. Since I know not the hour when I must leave you, O world, I will no longer fix my love upon you. O oh, my dear friends and relations, allow me to love you only with a holy friendship which may last eternally. For why should we be united with bonds that would break and dissolve upon death? 3. I will prepare for this hour and take all necessary care so that this journey might be blessed. I will secure the state of my conscience to the utmost of my ability and immediately strive to repair my defects. Conclusion 1. Give thanks to God for these resolutions which he has given you. Offer them to his divine majesty. Once more, beseech this majesty that you may have a happy death through the merits of his son's own blessed death. Implore the aid of the mother of God and of the saints. 2. Pray in our Father and a Hail Mary. 3. Fashion for yourself a small bouquet marked by the scent of myrrh. Chapter 14. Sixth Meditation on Judgment. Preparation. 1. Place yourself in God's presence. 2. Pray to him that he inspire you. Considerations. 1. At the end of time, after those ages appointed by God for the duration of this world, and after many signs and terrible wonders which will make men faint with fear and with foreboding, Luke 21:26, fire shall rain upon the earth and burn it, reducing to ashes the whole face of the earth, not sparing anything upon its surface. 2. After this deluge of flames and thunder, all men shall rise from their graves, except those who are still on earth, and at the voice of the archangel they shall be gathered together in the valley of Jehoshaphat, See Joel 3.2. But alas, how different they are, some in glorious and resplendent bodies and others in ones that are hideous and horrid. 3. Consider the majesty with which the sovereign judge will appear, surrounded by all the angels and saints. Before him stands his cross, more brilliant than the sun, the sign of mercy to the good and of justice to the wicked. 4. This sovereign judge, by his dread command, which shall be instantly obeyed, will separate the good from the wicked, placing the former on his right hand and the latter on his left, an eternal separation, after which these two groups will never again find themselves in one another's company. 5. Then, once this separation has taken place and the books of all men's consciences opened, all shall see clearly the malice of the wicked and their contempt of God, as well as, on the other hand, the penitence of the good and the effects of God's grace which they have received, and nothing shall be hidden. O God, what confusion for the former and what consolation for the latter. 6. Consider the words spoken in judgment to the wicked. Quote, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for you for the devil and his angels. End quote. Matthew 25, 41. Carefully weigh out the gravity of these words. He says, Depart, a word of perpetual rejection pronounced by God against those wretched men and women, banishing them forever from before his countenance. He calls them cursed. O oh my soul, how dreadful a curse, a general curse, including all kinds of evils, an irrevocable curse, embracing all time and eternity. And he adds, into the eternal fire. Behold, O oh my heart, this vast eternity, O oh, eternal eternity of pains, how dreadful you are. 7. Then consider the opposite sentence rendered for the good. Come, says the judge, O oh, sweet word of salvation, by which God draws us to himself and receives us into the bosom of his goodness. And he continues, O blessed of my father, 
O wondrous blessing which embraces in itself all blessing, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 34. O God, what a grace this is, for this kingdom shall know no end. Affections and Resolutions 1. Tremble, O my soul, as you recall all of these things. O my God, who can assure me against that day on which the pillars of heaven shall tremble in fear? See Job 26.11. 2. Detest your sins which alone can cause you to lose all things on that dreadful day. 3. Ah, I will judge myself now so that I may not be judged on that day. See 1 Corinthians 11.31. I will examine my conscience and condemn myself. I will accuse and chastise myself so that the eternal judge may not condemn me on that dreadful day. Therefore I will confess my sins and accept all necessary counsel, etc. Conclusion 1. Thank God who has given you the means for preparing yourself against the day of judgment and has bestowed you time to work out your repentance. 2. Offer him your heart so that you may be penitent. 3. Pray to him that he may give you the grace to carry this out well. Pray in our Father and to Hail Mary. Once again, gather together a small bouquet. Chapter 15, Seventh Meditation on Hell Preparation 1. Place yourself in God's presence. 2. Pray to Him that He inspire you. 3. Imagine that you are in a dark city, all aflame with brimstone and stinking pitch, full of inhabitants who cannot escape. Considerations 1. The damned are in the infernal abyss akin to this wretched city, where they suffer unspeakable torments in all their senses and throughout their bodies. For just as they devoted all their senses and the whole of their bodies to sinning, so too they shall suffer in the whole of their bodies and in all their senses the pains owed to sin. The eyes, in return for all its lustful gazes, shall endure the horrible sight of hell and the devils. The ears, in return for all the delight they took in vicious speech, will now hear nothing but wailing lamentation and cries of despair so too for all the other senses. 2. However, besides all these torments, there is one still greater, which is the deprivation and loss of God's glory, from the vision of which they are excluded forever. If Absalom found deprivation of the sight of the face of his brother David more grievous than his banishment, 2 Samuel 14.32, O God, what grief will be felt by those who are forever excluded from beholding your sweet and gracious countenance? 3. Most especially, consider what, above all else, makes hell intolerable, the eternity of these pains. Alas, if a slight pain or the heat of a mild fever makes one short night seem so long and tedious, how terrible will be the night of eternity with so many torments. In this eternal night there will be eternal despair and infinite blasphemy and rage. Affections and Resolutions 1. Terrify your soul with the words of Isaiah. O my soul, quote, who among us can dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? End quote. Isaiah 33, 14. Will you depart from your God forever? 2. Confess that you have deserved this, indeed, often. However, say to yourself, From now on I will choose the other path, for why should I descend into the bottomless abyss? 3. Therefore I will do what is necessary so that I may avoid sin, which alone can bring this eternal death to me. Give thanks, express offerings, and pray. So with these meditations, we consider our spiritual lives from the side of the world, the flesh, and the devil. There are evil forces ranged against us that would drag us into hell if they kind of had their way. And when we look at that, or when we confront that reality, it can be super overwhelming. But I think here of an encouragement of St. Catherine of Siena, who says that we should not think of our sins apart from the mercy of God. So too, 
We shouldn't think about those powers and principalities that are ranged against us, except we think about God, who is far more powerful, right? Who is provident and who only permits these different things to attack us uh, because he knows that he can draw out of it uh, further conversion, further grace, further holiness. So, Father Jacob Bertrand, as we confront some of these more difficult things in the Christian life, uh, how do we begin or what are some encouragements that you have? Well, my first thought was this is not Lent. So, why are we talking about the four, four last things? You know, this is like I wasn't geared up for for sin, death, judgment, hell. I mean, they're not the four last things, but you know what I mean. It's a little, depending on when you're tuning in, a little can be a little unseasonal, but as we might, as we might initially expect. But um, I think St. Francis here is reminding us that we can't sort of compartmentalize um, the sort of totality of, of God's plan and, and where salvation sits is it's in relation to our, you know, our holiness, which is contracted with, contracted to, uh, which is contrary to, there we go, English, <laughs> it's great, to, to our sin, you know, to death, to judgment, to hell. So um, I think the first step is to answer Father Gregory's question now, rather than just my ramblings, the first the first step here is to, is to follow St. Francis's first step on these meditations. That's to put ourselves in the presence of God. Um, that we can't do any of this, not simply we read these meditations and meditate upon them, uh, but all of this, all that we're talking about, the whole devout life, we can't do it but for being with God. Now, that's St. Francis throughout the text describes to us how to do that, how to build the habits of prayer and these sort of things, but we have to keep that as step one, because like Father Gregory was saying, as St. As Saint Catherine of Siena said, that we cannot approach our sins apart from the mercy of God, because ultimately it's it's God's love for us that defines you know, this whole discipleship thing. So if we were just to dwell on sin, death, judgment, hell, um, it's kind of much, you know, it's a little, it's a little too much, I think. So that's where I, yeah, keep starting there. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, you direct our attention back to God insofar as St. Francis de Sales begins each meditation with God. And a theme that will emerge in the course of this podcast is that we look first to God as the principle of our spiritual lives, that makes it sound somewhat impersonal, but as our everything, that, that makes it sound more personal. And so there is a temptation when, when making these meditations to just think about it solely from the side of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you can think about a parallel experience in the lives of many Christians. Perhaps there was a time when you discerned your vocation, or perhaps at present you're discerning some aspect of your vocation. And when you're very confused or overwhelmed by the choice, it can seem impossible. It can seem absolutely impossible because what with the opposition that you encounter and the obscurity of all the details and, you know, your own limitations as a, as a knower and a lover, how, how could you possibly make your way through this decision? But then you return to the thought, the reality that God loves your destiny far more than you do, uh, something that Father Jacob Bertrand highlighted at the end of the last episode. And as a result of which, you can afford to have some confidence. In fact, you can afford to hope because God, who is omnipotent and merciful, wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you himself. And the promises which he makes to all are, in fact, promises for you in a very personal, personal way. So then that helps us. You know, we, we transition from considering these things from the side of the world, the flesh and the devil to the side of God. All right. So that we would encounter um, you know, these these difficulties in life or that we would incur a negative judgment 
um, and find ourselves in hell. This is not God's plan for us. This is not God's perfect plan for us. So God desires that all be saved and come to knowledge of the truth, says 1 Timothy 2.4. Uh, but in order to come to the fullness or in order to come to the realization of that promise, we need to set ourselves up you know, such that when we die, we die in the odor of sanctity, and that when we are judged, we are judged for the way in which we consented to and cooperated with the grace of God. And, you know, when even considering the prospect of purgatory, St. Therese of Lisieux says, you know, don't, don't think that it's necessarily for you. Think rather of the mercy of God who can accomplish all things. So, yeah, I don't know. Those are, those are some thoughts, but maybe we could turn then to considering these things from, from the side of our own experience, from the side of man. Uh, I think it's helpful insofar as it, it gives us a way to appreciate our own fragility and the depths to which we can sink if we're not careful or if we don't cling to the mercy of God. So, Father Jacob Burton, your thoughts on that? Often, I think when we, well, even the word sink here, that's kind of a nice little transition. I don't think you meant to set me up, but it set me up just fine. So, Thanks for that, fellow Gregory. Um, one of the when I when I think about this sort of process, if we want to call it that, this experience, if we want to call it that, of of coming to consider, you know, like yeah, difficult things in reality, sin, death, judgment, hell, our four meditations. Um, I often think of the story of our Lord um, coming to the disciples on the water when they're in the in the boat on the on the sea and he he walks on the water to meet them um and they cry out to him right so they see him coming they're unsure what or who he is but they cry out to him um they they ask for his help and um peter who you know in a way kind of tests the lord throughout the gospel asks for like double reassurances asks the lord that if it's you lord call me out on the water to come to you and our lord does that and it's amazing that Peter is able to walk on the water. What so long as he's able to, so long as he's looking at Christ, and the Gospel of Matthew in particular tells us that that it's when Peter sees the waves or sees the wind first and the waves that he begins to sink. That when he sees something else, when he takes his eye off Christ, he begins to sink. He begins to be consumed by by the great storm that is harassing um, the disciples on on the water and. We ought to approach our sort of purgation, our meditations on sin, death, judgment, hell, on our contrition, our penance, with that in mind. We've talked about this in different ways on this episode in the last couple, but that it's it's with God that we that we're able to conquer sin, that we're able to be freed from sin. It's with God when we're when we're looking at Him that we can weather the storm, to use the analogy from from that gospel example. Um, and we ought to return to that over and again. And there will be times, of course. That we're going to look away and we're going to start to sink, but all we need to do is just to cry out and, and have you know refocus our gaze on Him, and and that's kind of it. I think we can we can look at you know past purgatory through heaven, hope for heaven, not just purgatory, as as Saint Therese encourages us, um, because it's God, because of Him. Boom. Well, I think that helps us to kind of bring back into focus the reasons for which we might meditate on death, judgment. Um, you know, and all that goes with, uh, for some, uh, not necessarily for all. Um, so while, while they are hard realities, uh, we recognize the fact that we have to confront them because ultimately we just want, we want the truth. Okay. We just want the truth because it's only in God that we get the truth and it's only through the truth that we get God. And like you said, this helps us to rely on God, not on self, not on ourselves or oneself, um, so that we can, f- 
you know, face the future. We can face whatever lies in store and we can do so with a kind of interior peace and serenity. So if you find that meditations on these topics, terrible as they may be, uh, cause you disquietude, that's a cool fun word, which just means like you lose your peace or you lose that sense of God, then I would say, you know, set them to one side. The point of the spiritual life isn't to torture yourself with the prospect of terrible things that might lie in store. The point of the spiritual life is to consider the God who extends to you the promise of life everlasting, not as a kind of presumed endpoint, like, you know, I'm basically good. I've never killed anybody. God's going to bring me to heaven. I should, you know, I don't need to bother with like penitence or going to Sunday mass and what, you know, like we're not saying that. We're not saying that by any shadow of the doubt. Uh, but what we are saying is that is that God is good and that he is good for you. Uh, so then, yeah, Father Jacob Bertrand, any final commendations or, or closing thoughts on the matter? Yeah, as we sort of turn away or move on from these meditations on sin, death, judgment, hell, and continue on with St. Francis um, in the devout life, um, we ought not forget them. You know, we ought to keep them at hand because they are, they're like part and parcel of the package, right? Like there is, as as we strive for heaven, um, you know, that getting to heaven requires judgment. We have to be judged by our Lord, and and that ought not scare us in a way that like turns us off from continuing, but um, inspires us and moves us to continue towards and with him. So yeah, we're moving on, I think, on the next episode from these, but we ought not leave them behind. As with the whole book, as we continue to move through, we're kind of building this corpus or these this toolkit of, of the devout life, so we ought to put them in and, and bring them with us. All right, that's it for today. Please be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. To download the reading plan and to support the production of this podcast, please visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Mm-hmm.